Shell. Well, okay, friends, the story begins. We are on page 61, the middle of the page. We're continuing to explore the prayers that are recited as we're taking out the Torah. And on the second paragraph on page 61, we have this long paragraph that's actually not Hebrew. It's Aramaic. And um, so the, the background of this prayer, where it first appears, the very first source, it's actually one of, it's a pretty old prayer. It appears in the Zohar. The Zohar says that when you are taking out the Torah to read with the congregation, at that moment when the ark is open, the gates of heaven, the gates of the heavens of mercy are open. It's an opportune time where God's love for us is expressed and we can experience it. And the Zohar says that's a time where you start. You need to pray for your needs. This is the time at that moment. And then the Zohar then introduces this actual prayer. That we're about to read. That we're about to explore. Um, commentaries point out something interesting, by the way. You know how everybody has an obligation to write a Torah for themselves? It's a mitzvah. It's one of the 613 commandments. Write a Torah. Not everybody's capable of writing their own Torah. Not everybody's able to do that. Most aren't. One way to fulfill that is buying a letter in the Torah. But the Sefer HaChinuch writes that another way to fulfill this mitzvah is through buying Jewish books. When you buy Jewish books to study, you're studying Torah, not exclusively the Chumash, but in general, when you're studying Torah ideas, you've bought yourself a Torah. So just as the Zohar says, you take out the Torah, that's an opportune time to ask for your needs. It's a special time. It's an auspicious moment. When we open our books... We're about to study Torah. You open your volume of Talmud or you open whatever you're about to study. You open that up. That's an opportune time to ask for what we need, to ask for our needs. There is a tradition from the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. The Baal Shem Tov says that when a Jew recites this prayer that we're about to read inside, the Berich Shemay prayer, when a Jew recites it with simple faith from the depths of their heart, God is going to fulfill the requests. God is going to listen. It's a very special moment. That's what the Zohar says. And actually, there was an old tradition in Chabad what I mean old is that going back hundreds of years for the children to be the ones to open the ark. It's not practiced anymore, and I don't know why. I don't know when it stopped. I haven't seen it. But the tradition was they would have the children come. They would open the ark. They would actually take out the Torah, if they were able to carry it, and hand it to the cantor, to the chazan. Now put this together with what the Baal Shem Tov says. Reciting this with simple faith. That's children. That's what the children are. Right? Children believe in God not because they've analyzed it, because they've thought about it, because it made sense to them. 
it's just considered to be a, a truth, a, a truth that you kind of just take for granted. That's simple faith. That's what simple faith is. If we can have simple faith, just like a child, like a baby, we're connecting on a very, very deep level. Because the essence of God is simple. It's not that complicated. Um, the more we try to understand, and there isn't value to understanding, there's important it's important to understand. But with that comes complication. Well, how does God allow this? Who is God? Why does God do right? The more we philosophize, the more confusing it gets, and the less relationship oriented it becomes the more it becomes an idea. But if we're like a child standing in front of a parent and we just, just simple fit, it's simple. You know how we describe this in Tanya lingo, chapter 18 of Tanya? Chachma. Right? Out of all of the various uh, personality traits, Chachma, translated as wisdom, means I'm open to something that I don't necessarily understand, but I'm open to this concept. I'm open to a concept that's bigger than me. And which letter represents Chachma? The Yud. It's just that simple dot, that simple truth. We open the ark, and with simple faith, like a baby, which means I, I don't necessarily understand. I don't necessarily get it. Um, I'm not even trying to get it right now. I just, I know it. I know it's true. That's it. Right? It's only once we're older we start to question, how could Hashem do this? Is there a Hashem? Is it? But for a child, it's just simply true. And when we have that attitude, God opens up at that moment. In, in Tanya, it actually says, in chapter 18 of Tanya, that every Jew has this simple faith, this simple connection to God. And sometimes it's masked. It's buried. It's hidden. And we think that we need to learn how to have faith. We need to learn about God. And the more I learn about God, the more Jewish I It's not true. We just have to uncover what's already there, which is that simple thing. And the greatest proof is what's happening right now in Israel. Because what you see right now, I, I just read this this morning on WhatsApp. This mother says to her daughter who went to go serve in the military, she's an observant girl. She's, what, 20-something, uh, you know, young 20s. You know, you're with a bunch of soldiers. Go find a boy for yourself. She says, I'm having trouble. I don't know which one is religious because they're all wearing kippahs and tzitzis. <laughs> There's this incredible awakening right now. Right, The visceral reaction to Jews being attacked, let's up our spiritual game. There was yeshivas. There's, I don't know if you guys saw the videos and pictures. There's hundreds and hundreds of yeshiva students making tzitzis. They couldn't produce them fast enough for soldiers who wanted them and, and getting tefillin to Israel. And, right, the, right. The, the simple faith that it exists, nobody's questioning. Nobody's asking, well, 
I, I don't know. Is this really what God wants at this time? Is there really a God? Is this really true? Is Judaism really true at this point? Nobody's philosophizing at this point. Right? At this point, we're not philosophizing. We're doing because we believe. And that belief is, it, it, it's like a, um, it's like a reflex. It's like our muscle memory. It's in our soul. We have that simple faith. I just read a story. I, I, I didn't read it. I heard this story on Friday. I'm trying to think. I was thinking as I'm speaking that I just share this with you, but I didn't I, I shared it with so here's the story. This guy shows up to an army base with a big truck of food. Or a, whatever, a trunk of food for the soldiers. It was a religious army base. They said to the guy, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We just have to get it approved by the rabbi of the base. He just has to approve it. No problem. The rabbi comes over. He says, thank you so much. The guy says, he says to the rabbi, the rabbi says to him, why did you produce all this food for everybody? He says, let me tell you my story. I'm from a kibbutz. I did not grow up observant. I grew up in Israel, but I did not grow up observant by any means. I've met a rabbi twice in my life. And today is the second time. The first time was a day or two ago. I wanted to feed the soldiers. I wanted to do something for them. I didn't keep kosher. I barely knew what kosher was. This is a guy living in Israel. I barely didn't keep kosher, but I wanted them to be able to eat my food. So I went to a rabbi, and that was my first time meeting the rabbi. And I said, I'd like to kosher my kitchen. I'd like to give the soldiers kosher food. Please supervise this. Tell me what I need to do. And it was with this rabbi's blessing that I've made all this food. And the rabbi did his research and accepted it. All of a sudden, this simple, beautiful faith came out. He didn't start questioning, okay, if this is what's happening, let me go learn about what Judaism says about it, 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 it's there. It's in our muscle, muscle memory. That's the simple faith, as the Tanya described as the Chachma. And when we ask for God, we recite this prayer wholeheartedly with the ark open, God listens. And this is why the old tradition in Chabad, I mean, Chabad, like literally in the town of Lubavitch, was to have the children open the ark because the children have that simple faith. Us adults complicate things <laughs> until we get pushed in really dire situations. All of a sudden, we believe again. Let's let's read the prayer inside. We'll do it in the English. We could do the Aramaic another time. <laughs> Let, let's quickly just go through it in the English over here. Um, the reason why it's in Aramaic is, by the way, because it's from the Zohar. The Zohar is written in Aramaic. Um, okay, let's read. We're ready? Blessed is the name of the master of the universe. Blessed is your crown in the place of your majesty. May your goodwill ever be with your people, Israel. Show your people the redemption and your right hand through the rebuilding of your Beit HaMikdash. Bestow upon us your, bene your beneficent light and accept our prayer with compassion. May it be your will to prolong our life in well-being. May I be counted among the righteous so that you may have mercy upon me and protect me and all that belongs to me and to your people Israel. It is you who feeds all and sustains all. It is you who rules over all. It is you who rules over kings and sovereignty is yours. 
I am the servant of the Holy One, blessed be he, whom, before whom and before whose glorious Torah I bow. I do not at any time put my trust in man, nor do I place my reliance on an angel, but only in the God of heaven, who is the true God, whose Torah is truth, whose prophets are true, and who performs numerous deeds of goodness and truth. I put my trust in him, and I utter praises to his holy glorious name. May it be your will to open my heart to the Torah, and to fulfill the desires of my heart and the hearts of all your people of Israel for good, for life, and for peace. Okay, so this is a, a powerful prayer. It really is. And by the way, when they're taking out the Torah, if, if your Aramaic is, is a little rusty, I would recommend reading it in the English and really connecting to it because it's an opportune time. There's one particular line I'd like to focus on, which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 lines from the bottom. Or 11 lines from the bottom where it says, I am the servant of the Holy One, blessed be he. Do you see that? I am the servant of the Holy One, blessed be he, before whom and before whose glorious Torah I bow. I do not at any time put my trust in man, nor do I place my reliance on an angel. Let me take a step back. We're servants to God. It's interesting because up until now, we've kind of been children before God. <laughs> you know, that's what prayer is. When you're studying Torah, you're like God's student. When you're praying, you're like a child. Where we have that simple faith. Here, When the Jews received the Torah at Mount Sinai, there was a shift that took place. Paradigm shift. And here's the shift. The Torah describes the Jewish people as children of God. Right? Moses' introduction to, to, to Pharaoh, or his first request of Pharaoh, let my people go, was the children are the firstborn people to God. They're God's firstborn child. Let them go. The B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. As soon as we receive the Torah at Mount Sinai, our status, um, I don't want to say changed because the child relationship is still always there. There's multiple angles to the relationship. But our status, we got an upgraded status and we've become servants to God. Not just children of God, but servants to God. That's what we got with the Torah. We've become avadim. What we say over here, I'm a servant of the Holy One, blessed be free, before whom and before whose glorious Torah I bow. I've become God's servant, not just a child. And there is an important difference between a child and a servant. What's the difference? The difference is a child still has a very strong sense of independence of agenda, of identity. The child loves his parents. The child will do anything for their parents. But then the child will grow up and say, I'm doing my own thing. 
right? And hopefully, hopefully we've uh, planted the seeds deep enough that their own thing is going to be the own thing that <laughs> we want them to do. But that's what happens, right? That's what we want as, as parents. We want our children to become independent. Deep down inside, that love, that reverence, that respect, that affinity, that connection is there. But they do develop their own personality around it. A servant is totally dedicated to the master. Less independence. Or in Hasidic lingo, more bitzel. A child will serve their parents out of love. A servant will serve out of respect. And the servant relationship takes my own agenda out of the equation, which which requires a lot of bitzel. Bitzel means bitzel means it's not about me. Bitzel means I believe in a truth, even if I don't love it. Now, if I'm a really good servant, I'll love it too. You know what Bitzel is? I recently just heard a good way to frame Bitzel. I've never thought about it this way. Transparency. Isn't that interesting? I'm transparent. I'm transparent with the light. I'm reflecting that light. The moon is Bitzel to the sun. It's reflecting the sun's light. Um, the clouds are not bottled to the sun. The clouds are obstructing the sun's light. Right? Yeshayahu, Isaiah, describes sin as clouds because they're blocking the light. The Talmud describes Jewish people as the moon. We're reflecting light. Bittel means I'm transparent to something bigger. I'm, I'm absorbing something bigger than myself. And a child could mask the parent's identity, mask the parent's agenda if they wanted to, theoretically. Because at the end of the day, it's out of love and it's, you know, love can do crazy things. A servant is not about love. A servant is about truth. Total transparency. Total seamlessness. According to Halacha, the bit the 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 bitle that a servant has to the master is so great that um anything the master the, the servant acquires belongs to the master that's what the talmud says what the talmud says that whatever the the servant acquires the master owns but here's how the commentaries explain it Let's say I'm the servant and Mike, you're the master. It's not like, okay, I acquire this pencil and now I have to give it to Mike. By me acquiring it, it's automatically Mike's. I'm an extension of you, Mike, by being your servant. And and I'll tell you where this is relevant. Um, one of the most, um, the, the Talmud gives the example of a get. Right, just to get a little technical here, but a get is a divorce document. In order for a couple to be halakhically split up and no longer a couple, the man has to give a woman a get. They could be legally separated. They could be, but if the get hasn't been given, they're not separated. They're still married. 
even if they've been out of touch for many, many years. If the man gives a get to the wife's servant, they're divorced. She doesn't have to give it to her. The servant doesn't have to give it to her. They're automatically divorced. Because there's this transparency, or if you will, seamlessness between servant and master. If you were to give the get to the wife's son, uh, the son would have to hand it to the wife. You see what I'm saying here? So the difference between a child and a servant is the level of transparency in the relationship or seamlessness in the relationship. What we gained by receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai was seamlessness between us and God. And with that seamlessness, Bitzel is actually a beautiful thing, by the way, <laughs> when we frame Bitzel this way. Yes, I'm submitting to a greater truth. And yes, my agenda is not as important as God's agenda. But with that, I'm part of something much larger than myself. Take a look at that in the text itself. Let's go back to the text itself. I think it's 11 or 12 lines from the bottom, the middle of the sentence where it says, I am. Do you see it? I am the servant of the Holy One, blessed be he. Before whom and before whose glorious Torah I bow. In English, there's a seamless connection between me and God. Because I am totally submitted to him. There's a total seamlessness between him and God. No separation. And therefore, I do not at any time put my trust in man, nor do I place my reliance on an angel. I don't need to be reliant on other people. I don't need to be reliant on things, on angels, but only in the God of heaven, who is the true God, whose Torah is truth, whose prophets are true, and performs numerous, numerous deeds of good and truth. Because there's a seamlessness between us and God, because in Hasidic lingo, there's an incredible bittle that we have toward God, we're not just in love with God, which is beautiful. That's the child-God, the child-parent relationship. But we're also... What's the word? Submitted. Is there another word? We're, we're bitzel, we're bottle toward God, for lack of better English. But there's an incredible seamlessness between us and God. Because of that, we have incredible security. We have nothing to fear. We literally have nothing to worry about. I was reading in one of the Rebbe's talks today. He was it was it was a transcription of the Rebbe's Fabrengans. So the the Rebbe would Fabreng and would would share ideas and insight and Chabad World headquarters, and it would go on for many many hours. And all of the talks have been transcribed, or many of them have been transcribed, and you could read the original transcription. And when you read that, you you kind of feel like you're there. It's interesting. It's it's not it's 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 different than the unedited versions. It's very interesting. And I'm going to quote with a loose translation, when a Jew is a servant to God, when a Jew realizes that there's a seamlessness between them and God, so there's no personal agenda, I live for a higher purpose with higher values, they become in charge of the world. Right now, we it seems like the world is becoming in charge of us. It's, But if what are we doing? We're upping our game. Spiritual airstrike, we're reconnecting. And when we do that, 
We rise above the world, and through that we bring Mashiach. We bring God to the world. We bring peace and love to the world. We bring unity to the world. We bring truth to the world. An important part of fighting this war is connecting to whom this war is against. This isn't a war between... <laughs> this is not a geographical fight like Russia and Ukraine. As serious and dangerous as Russia and Ukraine is, this is a battle against God. And the more we connect to God, the more there is a seamlessness between us and God, or a lack of seamless, uh, no, a seamlessness between us and God, the more strength we have. You know what I think of when I think of this? This week's Parsha, so timely. Abraham, Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu went through so much and survived so much. Because he was a servant of God, there was a seamlessness between him and God. He survived being thrown in the furnace by Nimrod. He survived the evil nation of Sodom and other four kings coming and taking his nephew as captive and many other captives. Avram fought and freed all of these captives. Where did he get that courage from? He was one person. Where do you get the courage to stand for values that the whole world was against? Avram Avinu says there's one God. There's one truth. These are sacred values. And every single university in the area stands up and says, with their flags, their colorful flags, no, this is the truth. And Avram Avinu was willing to stand up to all of them. And his values to this day permeated the whole world. Judaism is thriving because of Abraham. Even other religions, just Christianity and, and Islam, not to give, uh, not, not that I'm here to advocate for them, but they're all Abrahamic religions because one man was seamless toward God, believed in a higher agenda, and changed the whole world. And we each can be like that. We can. And this is what we think of when we take out the Torah. We gain that strength. Okay, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.